Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 2, Episode 7, for Saturday the 12th of September 2020. Coming up this week, real life intervenes. The past seven days have been more about dropping kids off at uni and trips to the tip than being an author. I did, however, start writing Bound by Blood this week, ahead of schedule, and why I said no to a book club deal this week. So, just to let you know, it's going to be a much shorter episode this week, mainly because I haven't been doing that much writerly stuff. The other thing is, I can tell as I'm talking to you, it's sounding really, really echoey in here, and I should explain right from the get-go that I'm recording this three times, just to make sure I get it. I'm recording it on my phone, which is to my left-hand side here, just below my mouth, just directly below me, and then I've got my regular microphone in front of me, and I'm recording in two Chrome-based recording tools. Now, the reason for this is that I took my, two of my kids to university last weekend, and my computer has gone with one of them. And I've basically set it up so that I have one of my big screens and my new Chromebook. So I'm, I'm using a double screen arrangement. Because I'm on Chromebooks now, then clearly what I can't do is use the normal tools that I would use to record. So I normally use a piece of software called Camtasia. So I'm doing belt and braces to make sure I actually get this thing recorded. <laughs> and I can tell as I'm speaking to you, it sounds really empty and echoing in here at the moment. So apologies for that. That's just how it has to be at the moment, I'm afraid. I'll talk to you more about the switch to the Chromebook later on in this episode. But let's get straight to my writing update for the week. And when I spoke to you last week, I said I wasn't going to be writing this week. I didn't think I'd be writing for a while. In actual fact, I decided, as, as always, I took a look at my schedule, which is now in Trello, and I decided that when the, the third child goes to university on Monday morning, I could go into the bedroom and clear it and, and move out of it. We're trying to move out of upstairs at the moment as much as we can. And I could do that on Monday and Tuesday, and I could make a real kind of leap in terms of our preparedness. So I thought, I don't want to write on Monday and Tuesday. So I realised that I could squeeze it in at the end of this week rather than doing it at the beginning of next week. So on Thursday, yesterday, I started Bound by Blood, which is the third book in Morecambe Bay Trilogy 2. And I wrote 1,996 words for the prologue. And then about half an hour ago, I finished writing today, chapter one, and I wrote 1,711 words, which means I've written 3,707 words this week when I hadn't intended to write anything. I may well write tomorrow as well, just because I like rounded up numbers uh, and just get to 5,000 words. Uh, I'm due to start writing next Wednesday the 16th after child three has gone to university. We're rattling around in this house. So <laughs> that, that's what I intend to write. So again, I, I'll tell you next week what I end up doing, but I am free-forming things just a little bit at the moment, as you can tell, because every time I see the opportunity to get a job done, or some, some extra work done, I, I do. So for instance, I hired a van last weekend, uh, quite a big van, because I had two kids to take down south, down south from Carlisle, that is, to, to university. And I hired it for four days, and we've got loads of stuff that we'd sorted in the shed, which I then took to the tip. So we'd be doing loads and loads of runs. We had a look at the storage containers that we're using uh, to put our stuff in. Just all, you know, all of these sorts of things we've been doing at the weekend. So it's been very different 
seven days since I last spoke to you. As far as editing's concerned, I went through my final sweep of Trust Me Once this week, and this was the final sweep of Julie Cordoner's suggested changes. So Julie does a thorough edit on the book and sends it back to me, and then I always get the track changes version back. And I don't go through all the track changes. Uh, my, you know, my, my view always was, and when I was in management, my view always was, is that you recruit teams because you trust them. Uh, you know, so I, my default position is I trust you to do your job until you show me that I can't trust you to do your job. So, uh, I, you know, I was one of these, when I was running teams at the BBC, I was one of these kind of empowering people who said, well, look, you get on with it, come to me when there's a problem, uh, and, and, and we'll sort of review it and see if it could have been improved um, afterwards. So that's, you know, I, what I mean is I don't need to check every change. You know, I trust people to, to make the changes. So I don't feel the need to go through every single change that Julie's made, but very helpfully what Julie does at the side of her edits is she gives me lots of notes for things that I need to make the final call on. That might be a choice of words or phrases. It, it, it might be something that I've done and she'll say, did you mean to say this? Is this what you meant? Have I interpreted this correctly? So there's a whole load of notes at the side and that's the stuff that I do need to attend to. And that's what I did this week. I went through all of those notes. And as I said to you last week, I always feel like I'm a child of the 70s getting a piece of marked work bag that's covered in red pen. When, when I when I get an edit back and I'm always relieved that actually there's way less work in there than, than I uh, expected. There's much less to think about than I expected. So I got another pleasant surprise with Trust Me Once. There, there wasn't anything in there uh, that troubled me. And I, I sent Julia a note to say what a great edit it was. You know, I really do appreciate a, a, a great edit because, you know, a, an editor who's in tune with what you're trying to achieve and when you find an editor that you can work with, and I've been very fortunate, you know, I, uh, I've worked with Helen Fazar, I've worked with Julie Cordiner. Uh, Ju Julie, could, uh, the only reason I've, I've sort of moved from Helen is because Julie can keep up with my pace. Uh, Helen is booked so far ahead, um, and she, she works in a different way uh, with more traditional authors, whereas Julie can keep up with my pace. You know, I can, I can give Julie three books over the course of a very tight time period. And between us, we can get them out and release between us. So uh, that's why I've pivoted to Julie. Julie's given me some great edits. I'm very, very happy with the edits I'm getting. I dropped her a note, you know, to say, to say as much. And, and to me, these feel like they're, they're, they're pertinent edits. You know, as an author, you're, nev you're never going to be perfect. You're going to be far from perfect. And, and I certainly am aware that I need somebody to pick up on my worst excesses, you know, my bad habits, things that when I edit it, maybe I don't even see that I'm, I'm blind to. It's like a blind spot in a car. And I think you're always going to have those. And perhaps the more you do it, the more you become aware that you've got blind spots and perhaps you look for them. But, you know, I've, I've got plenty of blind spots. And uh, I was particularly uh, grateful for Julie. I mean, I've, I've really focused on on voice. You know, I've I've really made an effort to stop head hopping but but julie had, had discovered some i think you know quite subtle head hopping that well how could he have known that if this is from the main character's point of view and you look at it and you think oh you know yeah that's you're, you're right and she'd she'd really caught some ones of those that were you know, just a little bit naughty of me i'd let those slip through um I always appreciate uh, word choice comments as well and, and structural and plot comments. Those are always incredibly useful. 
And actually, we had a bit of a laugh between us because I, I actually got something... Julie went well above and beyond the call of, of duty as an editor this week because there's a little scene in the book where two, two ladies are, are in the toilet cubicles or the restroom, wherever you are in the world, if, you, if that's what you call them. And um, one of the restrooms doesn't have any toilet paper in it. And I, I and it's just a, a small thing. It's just um, some action for the ladies while they're talking across the cubicles. That's That's all it is. And one of the cubicles doesn't have paper in it. So... Uh, the ladies pass paper between the cubicles and I actually had them passing it over the top of the cubicles but of course um, you know I'm not not a lady but I am writing from a lady's point of view and of course as Julie pointed out ladies pass toilet paper under the cubicles because you're in a seated position so I mean, that's above and beyond the call of duty. I said to Julie, you know, you don't even have that on your website that you offer toilet cubicle comments and feedback as well. So I got a, I got a real bonus this week in the editing. So <laughs> we're having a laugh about that because, you know, sometimes, again, as a, as, as a bloke, when you write women, you don't think of everything. And um, that's a small, that's just a small detail that I've missed, but a very, very important one. All women listening to this will know that. My wife knew it when I mentioned it to her straight away. So thanks for that, Julie. Now, uh, so that's another great edit. You know, thanks very much, Julie, for doing that. And just to let you know, um, Julie has editing services. You can go to the web link, juliecordoner.com forward slash editing hyphen services. And I will put that link on this week's show notes. If you are looking for an editor, certainly check out Julie's services. Um, she's done many of my books now. I can't remember how many it is, Julie. It must be quite a few. She's not sick of me yet. She hasn't sacked me yet. So I keep sending them her way. She's got another two of mine to do before Christmas. So if you do commission Julie, please don't nick any of my slots. Uh, you know, tempt her with great amounts of money or anything like that. Because I've got two to get out by Christmas. But uh, you know, I certainly recommend Julie's services. We're getting on very well as, as writer and editor. I really appreciate you know, a good edit, as I said. So um, that book was sent to beta readers yesterday. I uh, went through Julie's comments. You know, I did my sort of final uh, uh, checks of it, and then uh, I exported it, to put it into BookFunnel, and then I sent it to my hundred or so beta readers. And I thought you might find this useful actually, because I uh, because I've got so many beta readers, one hundred and twenty, I think it is something like that. Again, if you listen back to the episode, you'll hear me saying that I made a bit of a mess up in that um, you know I opened it too much and I've ended up with too many beta readers. So to be honest with you, I've been pretty strict about it and I, I've, I've, I want to prune that list down to 10, maximum 20 really good quality beta readers. So I sent out an email to the beta readers last night and I, I kind of did a fight club, sort of rules of beta club uh, email. And I just thought you might find these interesting. Uh, this is by no means me setting myself up as a model of this because I'm fairly new to beta reading. Uh, but it, it's it's how I set my expectations for beta readers. And, I, and as I say, I, I'm not here to give away free books to people who are just loading up on free books and not giving me feedback. So I need to weed out those tyre kickers and time wasters and try and get as quickly as possible to a team of people who give me great feedback. Now, I had a team of about eight of those people who were really, really good from the last time I did this, and I'm really just looking to top that up with some others. So my rules of beta club were, to so I, sent, I, I give them a date, a sell-by date. So please send me your comments by Friday the 16th of October at the latest, and then I give them an email to send those comments to. If I don't receive any feedback from you by that date, you automatically drop off the list of beta readers. Now, 
in my experience, you'll get all sorts of last minute emails saying, you know, I had a bad hair day, the wind's blown my house away, Every, you know, the dog ate me homework, you'll get all sorts of excuses, okay, and, and this is just the way people are, right? I'm not really, I'm not interested in excuse makers, I'm interested in people who see the date and make sure they get it done by the date, because that's what I want as beta readers. So that's going to be um, a sudden death, you know, if you, if you don't get it back by that date, I don't really care what the uh, excuse is, um, you're off the list. Um, Next point, I'm aiming to build a small team of people who provide useful and constructive feedback. So you may find yourself pruned from this list if you don't provide that. Now, again, from previous experience, I've had emails back where people just said, yeah, I really enjoyed the book. Well, thank you, but that's not very helpful for me. You know, what I need is you, um, you know, I, I need more than that, not just a, it was a good book. I don't, I don't want that, <laughs> you know, and, um, and even if you say, it was a good book. I didn't spot any spelling errors or you know grammatical errors. I didn't spot anything, uh, you know, that troubled me in terms of UK language, um, and and you know, and I felt this was strong or you know you could improve that. I I just I want to I want to hear more than I just enjoyed the story really. So again, I, I'll prune people on that basis. The next point was, and this is really interesting. I don't provide underlined. I don't provide any technical support if you can't access the files. I'm too busy writing books. Now, would you believe it? So you say, look, no technical support, figure it out, because if you can't figure it out, we're not gonna get on, <laughs> okay? Because I've sent you a book funnel file, there's a little help thing at the top there, you get all the help you need from book funnel, all right? But don't bug me with problems. And so I made that very, very clear, and you know, email, I got an email back saying, I can't access the files, I've tried everything, so it looks like I won't be able to read the books then. And you know what? Absolutely right. You're not gonna be able to read the books because if you can't figure it out for yourself, if you're not independent, if you do, I don't want you drawing energy from me. <laughs> you know, you're a beta reader, you're there to help me, not draw energy from me. So I'm really strict about this technical support thing, right? If you give people an inch, they'll take a mile and uh, they'll drink you dry of every energy you've got. So I made that very clear, no technical support, right? Because I need people who can figure it out. Figure it out. You know, don't bother me with it. Figure it out. It's easy enough. Now, I tested the file beforehand. I got it onto my uh, Kindle reader so I can give it another read. So the files work. I've checked it. All right, don't bother me. Figure it out. So I'm very strict about that. Please provide your feedback in a single summary email, not as a series of emails. This is a trick I learned from doing this previously, where you get an email from somebody said, oh, I, I, you know, I, does this need a capital letter or something like that? And then you get another email from them an hour later. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, can't cope with that. Okay. I need one email, a single summary email, which I will then subsequently work through, um, uh, uh, you know, one, uh, one email at a time. But I cannot take loads of emails with lots of different comments on. The other thing is, is um, I'm very specific about what feedback I want. So I've highlighted this. I'm looking for the following feedback. Did you spot any spelling, factual, or formatting errors? Did you spot any plot inconsistencies? Did I use any UK phrases which confused you? And that last one is something that I've learned as I've gone along, that sometimes I've had a few comments from, from excellent beta readers from Canada and from, uh, from the USA who, who have said, I haven't got a clue what you meant by that phrase. And... I, I don't mind changing those because I, I do tend to use a lot of phrases like that uh, that, that, that you would know in the UK that perhaps you wouldn't know abroad. 
And so I'm very happy to change that wording if it confuses. Why not? If somebody points out, why not? It's easy enough. Uh, the, the phrase isn't essential. So I am happy to have those flagged up to me because I am aware that I'm publishing to an international audience and I want to make the books as accessible as possible. So another note I've done in this, I did say these are the rules of Beta Club. Um, underneath that section I put, when you draw my attention to errors, please note the chapter and cut and paste the whole sentence if you can, so it's easy to do a find and replace. So another thing I found is that people will often say uh, chapter, chapter one, and then maybe put the word frog in, and then brackets needs capital letter, say. And then I somehow got to find the word frog, in, you know, looking for a needle in a haystack. It's much more useful if they can give you the, whatever the, the problem is, whether it's a, you know, a grammar question, punctuation, whatever it is they're flagging. Um, if they give you a sentence or part of a sentence, and then you can find and replace it and you can find it much quicker. So, uh, again, I'm not sort of setting myself up as some kind of guru of beta readers because I'm very new to this myself and, and really just feeling my way in the dark. But there's a few things in there that I have learned already that you may find particularly useful if you do this. And what I would say, and this, this is, again, you know, something picked up from, from, from years of working in management, that the clearer you are and the more prescriptive you are without writing War and Peace the better results you tend to get. So if you're very vague about what you want, you'll get very vague results. But if you're very specific about what you're looking for, you will specifically pick up those results. Now, I would suggest to you, um, with the technical help, um, that you do assert that because, you know, with 100 people, I get 100 people with technical problems. That's just going to bleed me dry in terms of my time and my energy. So you've got to be strict about that. And this is why we use BookFunnel. The help is all there in BookFunnel. And, and this person who said, I, I can't figure it out, well, why don't you just click the help button at the top right-hand corner? But if you can't, if you can't self-help when it's right in front of you, you know, then really you probably don't need to be on my beta team because you're probably going to take up more, you know, you're going to take more from me than you give me in beta reading. So I, I, I would suggest you're quite strict about things like that, you know, because some people will, they're like time vampires. They will drain you if you let them. So I've now moved that onto my Kindle, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it as a reader now, uh, not as a writer. I'm just going to read it and see if there's anything there that jars, sentences that jar, that don't scan right, that maybe I have to read back. I think, what, what did that mean? I didn't quite catch that the first time. So I'm going to read it as a reader now, uh, you know, rather than the world's worst critic. I, I, that, I just want to read the thing and see how it feels to me now, and, and then I might come back and highlight things on my reader and just maybe make those very last-minute tweaks. Now, I need to talk to you about my Chromebook because now I've lost my PC, I'm on a Chromebook and I had to do those changes on that Chromebook. Now, so editors always work in Word documents and they always have track changes on. I'm on a Chromebook which allows me to access my Word documents. So I've, I've got, there's a Word app for Chromebooks which allows me to import and read and, and edit Word documents. But as I found out this week, it doesn't work quite as neatly as Word on a PC does. This is, this, this is the problems I had with Macs when I moved to Macs, that, that yes, in those days I could use Dreamweaver, yes, I could use Photoshop, but the, the experience of using the software was completely different to what it was on a PC, and that's what I found with my Word editing this week. So in Judy's documents, I could see the track changes, but it wouldn't let me 
what I usually do with track changes, I accept the track changes and I just want to work through the comments, the, the things I need to look at. And it wouldn't let me do that. And that was very frustrating. So I ended up going through this ridiculous rigmarole of moving um, Julie's document into Vellum. Was, it, was, it, was that what I did? I can't remember what I did now. I did some ridiculous process I did to, so that I could just work through the comments and make those adjustments. Because, you know, it looks like the first 10 minutes of Saving Private Ryan, when you look at all the track changes on one of my documents, you know, there's so many changes being made. And you've got all these changes in red. It's difficult sometimes to work out what the heck's going on. So the Chromebook uh, failed that first test. Now, I do have a laptop around, a, a Windows laptop, which I, I was going to throw out, actually. I was going to, you know, hit it with a mallet, basically, and break up the hard drive. But I'm, I'm pleased I discovered this before we... We move out to Spain because I'll use that just for Word. It's very slow on the internet, but I did think to myself, actually, if I have lo Word loaded in that, I, I don't need to use it for the internet at all. Um, I could also probably record um, audio and podcast on it because, of course, it has Camtasia on it. I used to take it on holiday with me and things like that to record podcasts. So uh, what I will do is I will take that Windows laptop with me and I will use it for editing so I could use Word um, you know, on a, on a Windows desktop and it will do everything that I need it to do because it's going to be too hard for me to mess around with edits um, in a Chromebook. It's just too many steps that I have to navigate around um, and I've got another two books to do before Christmas that need to be out fast. I can't be messing around with it. So yeah, I'm pleased I discovered that before we went because I think that would have proved quite frustrating for me um, if, if I'd been in Spain only got a Chromebook and had to be stuck with that. Um, what I would say, though, is I, I'm writing Bound by Blood directly into Chrome, into, into a Google Doc at the moment. And I've always got on very well with that. Um, I've, I've pre-formatted the pages, so I've got, everything's formatted the, the way that I want it with all the right indents and things like that. So I'm getting on very well with that. But what I, what I also know from Chrome, this is why I think I'm going to have to probably move to a Windows laptop uh, to, to do my writing. Because again, if I've got a Windows laptop, of course, I can be back in Scrivener again. So I, I don't really know why I did. Well, I know why I wasn't going to bring that laptop originally. It's because it's just a bit slow for the internet. It's just a bit clunky. But for editing, I think it might have to. I might have to use it because Chrome's just not going to to do the job. Because I do know that when I when I have a full book in a Google Doc, so 70, 75,000 words, it's very slow and clunky. To move around that document and for it to load that document so it's very it's excellent for shorter documents but it is very clunky when you get full books in there so i, I am going to have to pivot a little around this but i'm very pleased that i have found these things before i kind of cut off my nose to spite my face i did say to you that this is going to be a brief one this week and indeed it is I'm onto the sales and marketing information now, and I don't have an awful lot of that to share with you. The first thing that I've got to tell you is that I submitted the secret bunker to BookBub. I think, I can't remember if I'd done that when we did last week's podcast, but it, it's gone in for a BookBub now. And the good news is, is that they offered me a BookBub straight away, which is great. So remember, I've been trying to get the grid and the secret bunker for a BookBub for ages while they've been in KDP Select, and I keep getting knocked back and knocked back. And so the first time of asking with the secret bunker, they say, yes, when it's listed wide, you can have a book bub. There's a history of them liking that book. So I've got a history of them liking Don't Tell Meg, uh, Secret Bunker, 
uh, not so much the grid, but they like they seem to like the secret bunker. But they offered me it in the horror category. And I don't want it in the horror category. You get this email back from them saying our our team of editors has decided that this is more suitable in the horror category. Well, this author is telling you it's not um, because the secret bunker, although you might put that first book in the horror category. You could probably just get away with it, to be honest with you. The problem is, is that I'm giving away the first book to sell books two and three. And books two and three are very definitely sci-fi. You know, we get into we get into aliens in books two and three. None of that in book one. And so for me, it's about setting up the correct reader expectation. Although you might just squeeze it through horror for book one, I think a horror audience then reading on would say, you know, aliens? Don't want aliens in my book. That's a sci-fi book. So in, in my mind, there's absolutely no doubt that that is a sci-fi series. And what I don't want to do is send a load of the wrong readers into it. Now, I have done it on a horror category before, and it did make money, and it didn't seem to hurt my reviews too badly, uh, which is fabulous. It didn't hurt them too badly. But it's not what I want. They're the wrong readers. I want sci-fi readers on that book. So as far as The Secret Bunker is concerned, I may try one or two different permutations with BookBub, but we may have to part ways with The Secret Bunker uh, you know, on that particular book because I just don't want it in horror. I, I want to get a sci-fi reading audience because the other thing about a sci-fi reading audience is then they'll go on to read Phase 6 and they'll go on to read uh, The Grid, which are all cross-promoted in that book. It's really important to me that I get sci-fi readers. So... Um, yeah, can you believe it? I actually turned down a BookBub deal this week. But, you know, it's $500, $600. And it's important to me that that works for me in my business. Uh, I'm not like some kind of starved-for-love dog, you know, that will take any pat that anybody gives it, i.e. anything that, that BookBub throws out. And sometimes I think you need to, uh, you know, dig heels in and say, no, that's not right for me. And it didn't make so much money last time that that it's worth me doing. It would it would be in profit. It was last time. I think I made about two thousand pounds on it. Uh, sorry, it would be about maybe a thousand and a half profit, something like that, uh, on the last one. So it, it's good, but it's wrong. It's not the right audience. So having done that, then I've now got the grid submitted for a book bub, and the grid is now listed wide. So I haven't had a reply about the grid yet. Again, we'll like everything in this life, this author life, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but I, I, you know, if I can't get the secret bunker in the category that I want, and if they knock back the grid, it may make me have another little try at trying to get that sci-fi uh, box set on KDP Select. I was looking at the reviews I'd got on that. I hadn't done much with it, but I, I was getting reads on it. And it's getting reviewed well there. And I just thought to myself, hmm, I might come back to that. <laughs> I might try it in KDP and try thrashing the adverts a little bit more because, you know, it's, it's doing all right, to be honest with you. Now, before I go, I just want to tell you, I, I should have got this page up, so I'm just going to have to get it up while I'm talking to you. I, I'm over 500 now. Oh, I've messed it up. This is another thing about my Chromebook that I don't like. Oh my goodness, I'm going to mess with that. It's um, I've got a Bluetooth keyboard that I'm using it with, and sometimes it can't cope. It has a delay on it, and that's that's a bit annoying too. 
um, because a Chromebook's all in the cloud, you've got a little bit of a lag sometimes between my Bluetooth keyboard and it actually going into the computer. So uh, you may find me pivoting from a Chrome. I love Chromebooks, they're great to travel with, but it may not be quite the right choice for Spain. I just wanted to let you know though, that I've now had on that 12 pack of thrillers, I've had 568 reviews uh, and, and that is, uh, four, the average is 4.5 out of five stars over 568 reviews. Now that is now my most reviewed book. That's quite phenomenal for me, 568 reviews. It just, it just shows you how many people, how many copies we shifted of that when I was doing those, those promotions. When you think that Don't Tell Meg is, was up to date, my, my most popular book. Let me just see how many reviews that's got. That was 300 and something, I think, that one on Don't Tell Meg. That's the book that's been most flogged in my portfolio. Let's see how many reviews it's got now. Where are you, Don't Tell Meg? Uh, here it is. Sorry, I should have had all this ready for you as usual. 351. So have I got over, is it over 200 more? Yeah, it's about 200 more reviews, isn't it? And and, and it's getting it's getting sort of reviewed very highly as well. That's really uh, gratifying. That's great. Uh, I'm also pleased to see that uh, Left for Dead is, is sort of getting reviewed highly too, even though it's been through a book bar. I always expect those reviews to go down. And it, I, I did always wonder whether it would just be having a bit, having a bit of a moan. You know, I've always said to you that when I give away books for free, I'm sure, I'm very certain that my reviews take a hit. If you listen to Six Figure Authors this week, I'm sure it was that, but I was listening to it in bed and I fell asleep in the first 10 minutes. But I'm sure Lindsay Barocca, one of the um, other presenters, was saying exactly the same thing, that you take a hit on promoting books for free. The reason they said you take a hit is the same reason I say you take a hit, is that people, when they're not paying for a book, they're less discerning about it. They, they just say, oh, that looks all right, that looks fine. They don't read the detail. So, for instance, on some of my books, on, on, on many of my books, certainly Don't Tell Meg, I do say very explicitly, you know, this has scenes of a, a sexual nature um, and there's some mild violence in it. I do flag that up very clearly. And then if somebody then moans in a review about there being um, sexual content in it, well, you didn't obviously even read the, the blurb, did you? So I think people, my experience is that people who pay for books are a little bit more discerning than people who don't pay for books. And I think you take a hit on those, on those reviews. So, so why then, this is why I want to mention this 12-pack, because this 12-pack has books in... It's got a couple of books in there that haven't really fired for me. And, and yet, the whole 12 books are getting reviewed like that. Now, everybody had to pay for that book. That 12-pack has not been given away for free. So everybody was paying 99 pence or £1.25 for it. Yet it's managed to get that number of reviews and it's managed to get reviewed that strongly. So um, hopefully that bears out what I say, that people who even pay a little bit... Um, you know, look a little bit harder. The other thing it, it tells me is how effective and brilliant Facebook advertising is. Again, you've, you've, you've heard that I was clamped by Facebook a while back, which was extremely frustrating. It was clamped at a time when I was just making a breakthrough with Facebook advertising. I just learned how to do it and I was in profit and it was working well for me. And then they clamped me and wouldn't let me back on. That was extremely frustrating. And now obviously I've come back and spent thousands of pounds on Facebook. We seem to be through, touch wood, those main clamping issues that I was having. 
And now this book has been promoted exclusively on Facebook and it's got that number of reviews and that level of reviewing, which is very uh, gratifying. I've had, I've had some wonderful feedback uh, from people directly on the Facebook page on that book. So I have to say, as soon as I, I'm, I'm going to try Don't Tell Meg on BookBub, which I think I could do at the beginning of October. And then if I get knocked back, I'm going to go straight back into KDP Select and get, get those books listed at the same time, those thrillers at the same time because my my experience is that if i sell box sets so so either those huge box sets the 10 pack the 12 pack but also the three packs they all seem to sell extremely well at 99 pence on facebook particularly if they're in kdp select and you then get the benefit of reads that's that's my kind of early findings i want to push that again and, and when, when, we, when I've just gone through this little book bug phase. But that's my theory at the moment, that KDP Select and promoting on Facebook has been working really well for me. And I want to push that a little bit more, I think, uh, particularly when I've got more money in the bank. So rather than having to run up thousands and thousands of pounds on credit cards, I, I don't have that fear factor. I can, I can actually pay those bills with cash as we're going along. So um, I'll keep an eye on that and I'll let you know what I'm up to. Thank you very much for listening. I did say it was going to be a short one this week. <laughs> and we are, what, episode seven in our 10-week run. In weeks nine and 10, I'll be reviewing quarter three and I'll be giving you my quarter four goals in those final two episodes. So I suspect next week's going to be a little bit briefer too because there's lots of moving around rooms and cleaning rooms and collapsing furniture and moving boxes and things like that. Uh, but I'll continue to update you on what's going on, even though my time for writing and editing is a bit more squeezed at the moment. I'll continue to keep you up to date, uh, you know, through all this packing and all this transition through to moving to Spain. So I hope you have a great week of writing and I'll speak to you soon.